Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Serving the Rogue Valley from Central Point, Oregon. We are a multi-generational family. Equipping believers to be adopted in, growing up, and reaching out through the gospel. Family, we're going to quiz you today. We're going to ask you to be thinking. And if you feel like your toes have been stepped on, that's a good thing this morning. Uh, Many of us who have already uh, gone through the first of our worship services uh, are already limping. But we come to the the last of the core values that that we express here, reaching out. And I want to just simply give you a quiz this morning to find out where your your thinking process is. So I want to share with you the first question. Um, What is a higher priority? Your child's salvation or a significant pay raise? Now, every one of you quickly run and say, well, of course, my child's salvation. Well, you're in church. Now, let's go back to Monday through Friday. How much do you really think through the shared reality, prayerfully considering your child's need for salvation in light of your advancement, in light of your, your, your financial needs? Uh, how much do you, do you think through as making it part of your family daily diet to see your son and your daughter find Jesus Christ in those years that they are at home with you? I believe that changes the, the sense of that question. Let's look at the next. How many people are you actively praying that they find Christ as Savior? How, how, how often do you, do, you, do you look down and you, you go to the knees of your mind, if I can express it in that way, and, and seeing family, seeing a workmate, seeing someone that you've connected with in a significant way, begin to steadily, regularly pray that God would give you a chance to communicate Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Let's go to the third question this morning. What sacrifice of your time and personal agenda would you make for your adult child to help them see the need of salvation? Every one of us have someone in our lives um, who struggle. Many of us as grandparents and parents recognize that having, having raised a, a family, there are some within our family that don't follow Christ as Savior. They may have made a commitment when they were young, and there is none of the, the fruit of salvation there. And you can look down and say, how much of it is a priority that you longingly see the return to the gospel? Family, that's why we come to this as we look at our last core value reaching out. You see, sometimes it's easy to recognize being adopted in. Uh, you, just, you, you just have expressed the elbow bump. Did you hear your buzz? Did you hear how you talk to one another? You were excited. And there's something that's really quite easy about loving someone who's, who's near and who agrees with the same things and, and shares the same values. It's easy to go over there and help them move. It, it, it's easy to sacrifice and step into their lives when needed uh, it, it's, it's easy to have fellowship with them. And that hard 
awareness that we have a loyalty with one another that we have to remember supersedes everything. It supersedes COVID-19. It supersedes the frustrations of our time. It supersedes these things. And in Christ, we recognize that we have, we have a loyalty to one another. There's, there's a sense of easiness with adopted in. Uh, I think reaching, reaching uh, excuse me, growing up is a little harder. Re- growing up means I have to have a love for Jesus Christ, a heart expression for Jesus Christ that, that is constantly going under the scrutiny of am I, do I love Christ? Has the impact of the cross maintained a freshness in my life? And because of that, my, my heart being what it is, I want to serve my hands which to act. And I need to, to know, respond, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in the service that he has called me to do. And finally, my, my mind wishes to know more about his grace and his goodness, and I dive into his word, being refreshed by its contents and being challenged anew by, by the words that are written there. But it all comes out by, first and foremost, by love, because if not, I can serve but it's nothing more than a checklist. I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And I know, and I've taken on an academic expression in God's Word, and I can tell you uh, every theological truth that's in there, but I cannot really tell you that I do it for an intimacy in Christ. So everything comes, first and foremost, out of my love for the Lord. So I find that Adopted in is the easier of the core values. The next, a little more difficult, growing up, because we always have to focus on our love for the Lord. Then now the most difficult is, is reaching out. And I, wanna, I want you to understand how important this is. Uh, men and women have fallen into this trap since the very first expression of Scripture. Listen to... 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, family, if, if, if Christianity is just for this life, forgive me, but what a waste of time. What a waste of time. There is no reason for you to celebrate 65 years of marriage. Because loyalty to one person is not going to make any sense. You're just going to die and go away anyway. So unless they're a really great treasure, you might as well have five other experiences. Why would you want to invest in children? Selfishly live life for whatever you can get out of it. You're just going to die. And so if all of these core values adopted in being loyal to somebody else, uh, growing up, have a love loyalty to a, to a God who, who saved us and, and changed our lives, if it was only for this life, wow, that's just, it's, it's a shallow expression. Buy the best RV you can, get the best resort you can go to, and enjoy life as hard as you can if that's all there is. But family, we've been promised something called eternal life. 
And I think sometimes we forget that, don't we? I know yesterday um, we had the memorial service for Don and Janine Olson, and, and many of us, as we, as we expressed their impact on our lives, we said things like, oh, I miss them. Oh, it's too bad that they're gone. Oh, it's too bad we'll never see them again. And, and th that's just not who we are. We're eternal. And many have gone before us, and we long for the day that first we will see our Savior, and then we will see the ones who wanted to be with their Savior. And it's a new day. It's a new day. And so we have to understand the importance of reaching out. And now the, the Bible teaches evangelism in three ways, or, or reaching out in three ways. The, the first that he talks about is the large preaching activities by significant preachers. You all know a Billy Graham crusade. That large-scale audience, and the Bible teaches that. We have the first is Peter. Uh, he preaches at Pentecost. Um, and it says this, but Peter, standing with the eleven, uh, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. You see, we have large-scale preaching and large-scale evangelism done throughout the Bible. You have Christ, the apostles, evangelists. We expect pastors here from time to time to do so. And we almost find that if they have a, a regular altar call, they're, they're, they're more significant as pastors than if they don't. And so we have to understand that large scale is, is one of the ways, and yet it's not the only way. And if you and I were put into that preaching or that evangelistic Billy Graham situation and you and I were expected to be Billy Graham, uh, you would find that's a difficult responsibility to meet. The second that the Bible teaches uh, is that is that one to one, the individual that you you barely know, evangelism to someone not known. The example of this one might be Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 29. It says this, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? Unless someone guide me. Now let's be fair. Most of us would get sweaty palms. And we would be filled with anxiety if we all just said, okay, we're not going to have church today, but I've got buses available. We're going to bus everybody down to Lithia Park. We're going to give everybody tracks this morning. And we're going to expect you to just kind of spread out and share Christ to as many people as you can. All right? Okay? You'll be killed right after the service is over. We close in prayer. And uh, by, by those who have sweaty palms and are nervous. Now, let's be fair. That's done all over the world today. And we've given the privilege last summer. Our teens were 
expected to go onto the streets of London and share Christ without any preparation, without any knowledge of the individuals that they were talking to. And many have found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in that way. Family, the third that the Bible teaches um, is that the gospel goes into the world is men and women who are already in our lives. Men and women who are already in our lives. And I would suggest to you that the majority of the believers in world history have been won not through large-scale evangelism, not through one of the unknown, but one that the gospel would describe as taking the good news into your oikos. Oikos means your house or your household. The significant people, the definition I've given you is here is 8 to 15, supernaturally and strategically placed people in our relational world. People that you, you know, you, you already have a, a contact with, and you're aware of them. Uh, let me look at some of the examples that we have in Scripture. In Acts chapter 10, we have a, a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is a, a, a God follower. Uh, he is a Gentile who's been uh, faithful to Judaism for some period of time. And God tells him to go get Peter down into the city of Joppa, and supernaturally, uh, God moves him to do so. He goes down to get Peter. Peter comes back up. But I want you to, to hear what it says in Acts chapter 11 about this incident. He says simply this, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. He says, all I want you to do is get those people that, that have been around you, your kids, your mate, your, your significant friends, get them all around you. Because Peter's going to come and he's going to share Christ and you're going to be impacted and so is your family. John chapter 4. We, in John chapter 4, we have a, a Jewish leader whose son is to die. And he comes to Jesus. In verse 49, we pick it up and it says this. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go. Your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Later on, we pick up the story. He says, the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. So when, when if you will, dad heard the story. He had faith in Jesus and says, okay, I believe Jesus is going to heal my son. I'm leaving. And that impact was such as he goes home, he sees his son. The excitement is there, and he puts two and two together and says, oh, the very hour that Jesus said he's alive, he's going to be well, that's when the, the doctor, that's when the awareness of his life came here, and he tells the story, and he impacts the whole family. So... I'm convinced that 
for all of us, the easiest, the most natural expression is sharing Christ through our oikos, or as we would say in our church, our circle. Our circle. Maybe the most dramatic that we have of, of this oikos idea, this circle idea, is the man of Gadara. You may know him as a demon-possessed man. And simply express, let me share the story. Most of you know it. The, the Jews lived on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus packs his boat full of the apostles, and they come over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. On the east side of the Sea of Galilee is predominantly a Gentile area. And as they, as they park their boat, walk up the hill, they're met by a guy. Now, he's a delightful character. I want you to imagine, if you will, use your wildest imagination this morning. He's got a set of handcuffs on both, both wrists. They've been broken off so many times. They've got little stubbles of chain here. He's been so strong, he's broke any, any, any effort to be held by humanity. Now, secondly, I know you're not allowed to say this in church, he's butt naked, all right? Now, if, if that doesn't really excite you here this morning, you're in church, and here's the apostles, all Jewish straight-laced men, and here comes this guy. He can't be held, and he is, his home is in a really nice part of town. It's in the cemetery. And here he comes. And a little conversation goes on, and we find that as Jesus talks, there's a demon inside, and his name is Legion. Legion asks for permission. Let me go into this herd of swine. Let me go into the pigs. And Jesus gives this legion the ability to do so. And legion leaves the body of the human into the pigs, takes the pigs down into the water, they're drowned. So now, if you will, here's the scene. Townspeople come out to see what's going on. And here is now handcuffed, butt-naked, smelly, demon-possessed man sitting there normal with a blanket on. All right? There's floating pigs out into the Sea of Galilee. All right? And they come walking in, and here's Jesus, the apostles, the blanketed, demon-possessed, handcuffed guy, and floating pigs. Now we get to take up the story. All right? If you will, follow along as I read beginning in verse 15. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had been legion, who had, who had had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him. And he did not, he, Jesus, did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. 
Now, family, out of that just comes some, some great learning tools. So let's just kind of go through them quickly. The first is in verse 15. There is a change produced by the gospel. So notice, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had legion sitting, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I want you to notice on one level, people either are or aren't impressed with your change, but there is a change. Whether you want to really notice it or not, some who will be like the apostles, they came from a, a cleaned up, straight-laced Jewish town, and they kind of acted straight-laced Jewish men. But they all left their nets and followed Jesus. They left their business and followed Jesus. They left what they thought was significant, Simon the Zealot, and followed Jesus. So right from the bat, right from the, the get-go, we find that they're at least looking down going, my priorities are changing. The things that I thought important, the things that my community thinks is important, they're not important to me anymore. So on some levels, it's a small scale. On others, a butt-naked, handcuffed man suddenly wears clothes, acts normal, and says, hey, I got a story to tell. Now, most of us look down and go, that's the guy I want to listen to. But that's not who God uses. God uses all of us. And we have to recognize that each and every one of us have got a story that has already set the stage to impact other people who have been brought into your life. And all you need to do is be ready to tell the story. What did God do? Why did he change you? Why are you loving men and women enough to go down and volunteer for Samaritan's Purse? All you have to do is tell the story of what you're experiencing, going through, and what God has done. And so that's what we see here. But when the impact of the gospel affects us, I want you to know Jesus commissions us to share. So notice, if you will, verse 18. There is a desire to identify with Christ. If you recognize that there's a change, that there's also a recognition that we want to identify with Christ, not with the, the world. So notice, if you will, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Now, please, please again, I, I, one of the benefits of a sermon like this is to ask you to put contextually what's going on in your own, in your own mind. What would you want to do if you had been under the weight, the burden, of this demon-possessed man, what would you want to do the first thing after you broke free, after you were given freedom? What would you want to do? Would you want to run home and tell possibly a mate who has seen 
what you have been going through and is in utter and complete misery because she knows that that's not the real you and you're, you're, you're stuck there in the cemetery bringing fear and uncertainty to the entire community and now you have a chance to run home and tell her. He wants to go in the boat and be with Jesus. Wouldn't you want to go home and tell your parents, hey, this is what happened. I'm free. He wanted to be with Jesus. And the hard reality that you and I have to face is there, there comes a day when we recognize the life change. There's a reason for that life change. And that reason is, is Jesus. He's the one who died on the cross for your sins. He's the one who's made this impact. And now my loyalties begin to change. Now, I've, I've expressed to you my, my life story. And I've told it to you from the pulpit on many times. But for me, it's significant. I was raised in a Christian home. As good a home as any of you would want to say you gave to your children or you were raised in. They, they raised me to know and love Jesus Christ as my Savior. And you need to understand I wanted none of it. And as, as my life was identified, the world was expressed by sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I wanted all three in abundance. That's what I thought a teenager should have. That's what I thought a, a, an American kid should experience. And I didn't want any more part of that Jesus Christ stuff. And I was embarrassed any time we talked about it. Now as a young adult, the gospel came into my life, radically changed who I was. And it was as if, as I've described before, the puzzle pieces of the gospel came running in where I never understood them at home. I thought they were a checklist of behavior. All of a sudden, the relationship of what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross for my sins, offered me a substitute so that I didn't have to face the Father's wrath, all made sense to me. And I wanted Jesus. More than anything else in the world, I wanted Jesus. I wanted to identify with Jesus Christ. And family, if that has not happened to you, I would encourage you to begin to pray and say, God, Please, I pray, let the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the reality of who he is and what he has done become a significant awareness that I may put Christ as the priority of my life change. But you see, you now have a man who wants to identify with Christ. I want to go where he, he is. You see, the demon-possessed man wanted to be with the one who had freed him. Who transformed him from a possessed man to a new man. And I want you to understand, transformation is not that you accept the world's checklist or to-do list, and then you go to the Jesus to-do list. Jesus has given you a relationship with you, him, and made you free. And he has changed your life dynamically. We are rewired. We are freed. We are commissioned. We understand what Jesus gave us to be so much greater than what the world offers. That's why salvation for our children is so much more powerful 
in our, the desires of our heart than any pay raise, than anything that the world could give us. I want you to see in verse 19, your circle now is your mission. So listen to what he says. Jesus tells him, go home, go oikos, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Family, instead of letting him join the apostles, he commissions him to go home to his circle and tell the story of the gospel. See, you and I have had the same commissioning. Matthew 28 tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts chapter 1 tells us, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We've been told in, in Romans chapter 10 that how wonderful are the feet of those who go out and tell good news. We've been commissioned. And so the, the real reality is here is, Who's your circle? Who's your oikos? Who are the 8 to 15 supernaturally and strategically placed people in our relational worlds? Now, around you this morning is a card that we call our circle card. Many of you have seen them ad nauseum, and we have not made a really awareness of these, though they're around we haven't talked about them in a, in a practical way for two years. I'd like you to get one out. They, they should be around you somewhere. Feel free to stand up if you have too many people near you. Um, I'm sure a card is within social distance from you. So please feel free to grab one. I want you to look at it. The first of these 8 to 15 strategically placed people in your life are potentials. And what we mean by that is potential believers. People that you already know who are in your life. Are there, are there people that you're already aware of, thinking of, praying about, that need Jesus Christ as their Savior? Do you have children that don't know Christ yet? Do you have grandchildren that don't know Christ yet? That you are praying that Jesus Christ would work in their lives in such a way that you want to be in their life in an evangelistic or good news kind of way. This is not a prayer card. This is an action plan. Are there people in your life? Is there a worker that you look down and go, man, I just love that man. I just really connect with that woman as we, we, we're at work, and I want them to know Christ as, my, as their Savior. Potential believers. Now, I don't want you to fill this out in church. I'd like you to take it home and make an honest effort of saying, oh, man, Lord, Lord, who? Who? One man, one man uses this card. He has put his neighbor as his potential to find Christ. And every week the garbage men come at a certain time. And he takes his garbage can and he knows that the neighbor's going to go and take his garbage can down. So on the night that the garbage is to be set out, He's sitting in the corner of his front room window watching for his neighbor to take his garbage out so that he can grab his garbage and then walk in parallel together. Hi, how are you? 
been a good week? Hoping for, praying for an opportunity to use this moment in time that he's been praying for to strategically share the story of the gospel. So, that's the potentials. Notice, secondly, you've been given a list of prodigals. Are there, are there people in your life who you know, man, they used to love the Lord. There used to be a connection in Christ. They used to be Christ followers. But, but the priority of the gospel is so secondary, so beyond their care that you wonder if they really even know Christ. And so you look down and go, Lord, please, I pray. This is not a prayer card. This is, I am taking you strategically into my life to begin praying that you would open a door that I could see you work to restore this prodigal to Jesus Christ. Are there men and women in your life that are like that? If so, then I would challenge you that this year they become a strategic part of your prayer life and your action plan of life. Notice, if you will, we have the third identified group. We call them the penciled-in. And a penciled-in person is probably one of my favorites because it just seems to be a God-engineered thing. You just look down and go, how did that happen? My favorite of all time. Those of you who have been here for a long period of time remember the Thayers. Nick Thayer saw a young family panhandling in front of Food for Less. Little Nick didn't know what a panhandling was. So he asked Susan, Mom, what's, what's this guy doing? Well, he's just trying to get money because his family doesn't have enough food. And that was her short answer to her little son. And they continued to drive. And he says, Mom, could I give her, could I give that man my allowance? That family came to the church for the next three years, had accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They moved down to, to Tucson, Arizona, and the last we heard were still attending church. It was a penciled-in moment. How do, you, how do you put down and say, boy, I plan to do that? But you may have a, a, a moment in time where the neighbor, the grumpy guy, five doors down, and you begin to talk, and you don't know why it happened. But now you have a, a connection, and, and you continue to make that significant. And you ask God, as you continue to pray, Lord, give me another, give me another. I'm going I'm to walk every day, my dog, and I'm going to take him down by that house. Finally, we all need partnership. Partners are people that you pray for that their circle impact has God-created moments. You're not, you're not a part of their life, but you're part of their prayer concerns. And there's nothing like partnership. If I know I'm about to go out to lunch with somebody and we are going to be accountable to one another over what we're doing... Chances are I'm going to be a little bit more proactive. Family, I have a father who calls me up. And again, I'm telling you things that I've told you routinely before. 
And my father will say, oh, man, it was so great. I had a chance to share Christ to so-and-so on the golf course. Really, Dad? And you begin to listen. And then he turns it. And I want to hang up every time when he says, and Pete, tell me about the last time you shared your faith in Jesus Christ. Dad, I got to go. See you later. All right? And I can tell you, in the 64 years of my life, I'll be fair. I have shared Christ because I knew my father was going to ask me. Not necessarily that I wanted to see this individual in heaven. So forgive the priority change, but I'm, what I'm trying to express to you is the impact of one another in encouraging each other to do what God would want us to do. So understand, uh, this card becomes very important for us, and I want you to use it as a plan in your life, and just simply ask. We, we recognize you are not a salesperson. You are not selling Jesus. If it was up to us to sell Jesus, I believe heaven to be far more empty than what we could ever imagine. God just simply wants you to get in the way and let God use you in ways that you could find riveting. Let God use you. So you have been commissioned to serve. You've been, you've been challenged to go into your oikos, and all of this is scriptural. And family, the, the, the part of this that is important is that you have an awareness of how to express the gospel story. Now, I never try to put words in, in a person's mouth, but if, if you had a chance to sit down with somebody and they said, how, how do I get to heaven? Could you honestly express it to them? Now, on the card on the other side, we do have the A, B, C's. And you've heard us, as we've stood in the front and in the pulpit, use these ideas time and again. But we ask you to, to commit this to memory, at least to have the card so you can walk through it. And simply remind people, you know, Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to admit that we can't save ourselves. We can't fix our situation. And if a person says, well, I'm a pretty good person, well, I say, well, okay, let's test you. Did you ever commit a lie? Oh, yeah, bunches. So then you're a liar, right? Did you ever steal anything? Well, I stole that candy when I was five years old. So then you're a thief. So you're a lying thief. Did you ever disobey your parents? Yeah. So you're a cruddy kid, liar thief. Yeah. For the wages of sin is death. God says, I got a paycheck for you. And that paycheck is death itself. But the cool part about it is believe. And we finish Romans 6.23 off and just says, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you so that you would never have to face the wrath of God. And we believe that Jesus gave us a gift of salvation and he did all the work so that I could go. And knowing that truth, I choose to accept him as my savior and then live that life. And so family, 
we're asking you to be aware so that when you pray for, when you ask to be strategically placed and let that God moment come, that you're equipped. You've been a commissioned to go. I want to suggest to you one last thing. We obey. Notice the response of the demon-possessed man. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled before they were afraid. Now, because he responded to the commissioning of Jesus Christ, he did what he asked him. There was a new, there's a new thing. All he asked you to do is just get in the way. Let me do my work. Can you imagine some of the conversations he must have had? Can you imagine people who had gone for a walk and had seen him originally down, down in the cemetery sleeping and they went on a dead run to get away from that area as soon as possible and now he's sitting there saying, hey, let me tell you a story. Family, you have a story. All you need to do is remind yourself you've been commissioned and let God work through your story. Live out His love. Let God work. Extend yourself to your circle in a vulnerable way, allowing the Holy Spirit to use your vulnerability to create a moment of His design. One man said it this way, how many evangelism programs have you encountered in which sharing the gospel assumes no relationship with the customer and Jesus is sold like a bar of soap. Often, that has been my expression of selling Jesus. With a circle, you're asking God to open doors that have already been ajar because you know or love, or have been meaningfully in their lives already. And you have been strategically placed there and then given a story, your life, and the impact of the gospel on it. You're looking for moments that God has designed so that they may find Jesus Christ as Savior. Family, that is the third of our key and core values that we hold in this church. Please, we live in a day when COVID is denying the organized aspect of the church to exist. I mean, how many of us have looked out and went, oh, right, there's 100 people here. Oh, right, we have 20 in the ABF oh, we get to go to a Bible study this week. And some are looking down going, oh, I, I better not go yet. The organized church is struggling. But the one thing the church can't get stopped on is relationally in your neighborhood. Can't get stopped because you're there. Live the commissioning of Christ. Father, I pray you'd be with us. Dear God, allow us to know who we are. 
so that we may know what we need to do. Father, help us to remember. Dear God, we're not like our neighbor. We're not pagan Americans waiting for the vote. Father, we're not pagan Americans waiting, waiting in fear for what Antifa might do or the Proud Boys might do or, or what fire might come next. We're the redeemed. Father, I would pray that you would be with us. COVID-19 is making mean people in America. We're adopted in. Help us to act like that. Father, help us to remember we're eternal. We've been given the gift of eternal life, and our Savior said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. Father, we have a Savior who said, it is finished. And then to prove it was finished, he picked up breath, walked out of a tomb, commissioned the first of us as believers. And then, dear God, we carry on that commission. Dear God, let us do so in light of the change that we've been given. We've been given eternal life. And may those who are in our circle know that we serve the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Follow us on Facebook to keep up to date with all our latest content. Thank you.